Welcome to Brand Story, Inc. I'm your host, Jay Sharman. Every week, we sit down with smart folks to talk about innovative ways they are creating content to connect with their audiences. I'd like to say every company can be a media company, and this conversation hopefully helps you understand why. Joining us today on Brand Story, Inc. is Doug Schimmel of Twitter. Doug is the lead client partner on the retail vertical, focused on creating partnerships for retail clients on Twitter. He's a veteran media sales and marketing executive with 16 years in the brand partnership business, including stints at ESPN, the Big Ten Network, and Perform Group, a relative giant in the sports media publishing world. Doug is a proud graduate of Northwestern University. He liked it so much, he got two degrees from NU, including a master's in sports administration. And fun fact of the day, he's the former NCAA record holder for tackles in a college football game with 26 against Navy in 2002. Twitter does not need an introduction for the brand story, Inc. Crowd, defined as a, quote, service for friends, family, and coworkers to communicate and stay connected through the exchange of quick, frequent messages, end quote. Doug Schimmel defines the social media platform as the world's water cooler. If it's happening in the world, it's happening on Twitter. Doug, welcome to the show. Jay, thank you so much for having me, buddy. I, I appreciate uh, being here. This is great. Yeah, obligatory dog bark in the background just to kind of like remind us that we're still kind of in the in the pandemic here. But let's start with the basics. Describe your role as Twitter's lead client partner. Yeah, so basically, uh, if I were to nerd out and say I'm the senior salesperson in charge of building partnerships for Fortune 500 retail brands like Best Buy and Lowe's uh, on Twitter. And so I think a big part of what I do on a day-to-day basis other than um, – creating partnerships for our external facing clients is just just helping build internal sales strategies for our retail teams uh, engaging with t- internal teams like product content partnerships obviously we'll talk a lot about that uh, throughout the day I assume marketing and a slew of other groups so to put it very simply I'm a sales guy that uh, that looks to hopefully make our uh, internal teams a little better along the way so we could I can effectively market Twitter to uh, to our partners. And help us understand just for clarity, retail. How does Twitter? How do you define retail in your um, business in terms of how big the scale and scope of how many brands that is and what's in it? Yeah, that's a great question, Jay. So we deal with um, we call them the whales of retail. So large, um, mm-hmm. you know, it, it covers a swath of categories. So we have big box retailers like a Target, a Walmart, a Best Buy. Um, and then it gets some get a little bit more niche. So like uh, H&M, Nike, Adidas, so, you know, a little bit more mm-hmm. fashion uh, for it. And then, you know, um, uh, pharmacy. So you got CVS, Walgreens. So it's 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 big retail, but it covers a, a swath of, of different categories. So pretty much any anybody with a with a brick and mortar shop that you could allegedly walk into if it's not a pandemic. There you go. There you go. Okay, cool. So this is your audience. Everyone. So we'll be able to go pretty deep here. Um for I'm a huge Twitter user. It's my number one platform. I'm not pandering to the guest here. So I know enough to be dangerous, but I also know I've got a lot to learn here. So there are very few listening who aren't creating branded content or are brands creating content. There's a difference uh, for whom Twitter isn't an essential platform. So as we tape this in April of 2021, guide us on some of the most effective best practices you're seeing right now regarding branded content. That's a good question, Jay. I think I think creating content for the in-feed nature of the platform, um, I think it's essential to effectively use Twitter to, to capture audience. And you know, they, they have a relatively short attention span, as you could as you could ascertain. Mm-hmm. Um, so, 
you know, like me, like even before I started working at Twitter, like I came to basically, it was my first thing to do every day to learn and just see what's happening and, and just soak in the content that I want to know about, learn about, you know, et cetera. So I think it's important for brands to persistently to continue to brand and make their branding viewable mm -hmm. on the content itself. You're getting not to jump you know, too tactically, but um, I think one thing too, again, jumping a little more further down the rabbit hole, it's, you know, leveraging hashtags, not too many tweet copy, reinforcing the branding. So I think all those things are, are, are very helpful when you come to the platform, knowing that it's a, it's a feed based uh, experience. Um, I think two things, and I make this this you know very graphic example to my clients <laughs> on a daily basis. But um, one thing that is we've kind of figured out our value prop to content partners to our clients is launch and connect. People come to Twitter to launch and connect, and I always make this again this this mm -hmm. horribly graphic um, connection where I have launch and connect tattooed on my stomach <laughs> because it's been it's been jammed down our throat so much you know over the course of the years. But it's also it also makes the it makes perfect sense, right? So, if you're a brand or you're an individual coming to, to Twitter, like you want to launch something on Twitter. Twitter is ripe for launching, mm -hmm. right? So, I make the example of if there's a major announcement, right, or somebody's you know news is breaking, some you know a brand is is making this rerun. They want to make a big splash. Like, you don't really see that on other platforms, right? It's always mm -hmm. breaking on Twitter. If it's making news, you see, you're watching the news at night. Not that mm -hmm. a lot of people watch the six o'clock news anymore, but mm -hmm. Like okay, so and so tweeted out. Adam Schefter tweeted about right. so and so getting traded in the NFL. So, the launch part of it, like if you want to launch again a brand, uh, a, a new product, a sale, so on and so forth, like it's on Twitter. Um, so that's kind of like the the A of of our value prop. Mm -hmm. And the other part of it is is just connecting. And, and I think we'll talk a lot about this through through our discussion here. Is it's like you want your brand to be culturally relevant, right? Yep. And Twitter, and again, not to sound like the, the cheese ball sales guy, but Twitter is what's happening in the world. So you want to make sure when you come to Twitter that you are connecting with the conversation that's happening on the platform, right? So a good example of that is like what's happening this weekend, right? The the Blackhawks are in a playoff race. And I'm, I'm a, obviously a huge Blackhawks fan. Not obviously, but I'm a huge Hawks fan, <laughs> big um, outside of Northwestern. But like mm -hmm. people will talk about the Blackhawks. Guess what's happening on Sunday? The Oscars, mm -hmm. right? Like people are talking about all of the – the movies and who's going to get best, you know, best picture, best actor. I always go into the Oscars every year saying I'm going to watch all the, the movies up for best picture and never do. But people, <laughs> Me too. But, but, but people are talking about that, right? So right. you want to make sure that what you're talking about, what, how you're messaging on the platform, especially when it comes to video, is is you want to be connected. So that's that's kind of the, the connect part of the launch and connect, again, graphic tattoo example that I mm -hmm. used. Um, so I think, again, great question, just making sure that, you know, in feed nature of the platform, launch and connect. Well, and I, it, and it, I want to go in. Uh, I want to go into maybe a, a recent case study of that you can talk about from a from a branded content perspective or something successful. Kind of go to like the the next level, right? Like because I yeah. think there's look uh, day job running um, a content agency. We are using Twitter constantly for our own media properties, for our own company, for our clients, right? So there's like many different dimensions to go here. But mm -hmm. I mean, it, probably the most overused word in branded content is authenticity, right? This notion of like how to create really compelling storytelling that creates value, right? Whether it's in 20 characters, a video, a live thing, whatever it is, right? 
um, that provides value that that really kind of to your point connects. And and I always think that's fascinating because pick a topic or any topic. The thing that fascinates me is that Twitter is. I, I love niche media. Like I'm like not don't own the niche. Own the niche within the niche, and you're going to do very well for yourself. Now that mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily apply, apply to your business, which is retail, which is you know critical mass, right? Like it's it's almost the inverse to that. But the principles are the same. You still have to kind of do something that you know you call it the you call Twitter the the water cooler right of the world right. I call it like the opium for the ADD like me I've got ADD and this thing is like it's awesome like nope 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 yes interesting rabbit hole boom click through boom where the hell am I oh my god I gotta get back to work right but it's like um, the ability to kind of customize my own little crazy unique warped world in Twitter for the content that I want on my terms when I want it is is interesting but I'm always looking at it through that other lens of like and, and it's funny because, you know, I, as it relates to branded content or sponsor integration of content, I, I'm totally bare on the case study. So give us a case study that kind of flexes maybe not all, but um, some things that, that you're really proud of that you're like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm talking about this to brands and they don't even know what the power of, of, of it is. Yeah, that, that, that's a great, great point, Jay. And I, I'm, I'm of the same mindset, right? Where my mind, you know, I call it the hamster wheel, right? Mm-hmm. It's always running a thousand miles per hour. And what does Twitter do? Twitter just makes that hamster wheel go faster and faster. <laughs> you know, but, but on the other side of the coin, like if you're a brand and you want to make sure that your message is, is resonating in this very like high paced, fee based mm-hmm. experience, like obviously you have to, you, you know, it, it's tough. And, you know, what we've done is we've figured out ways and, and you know, again, best, best practices, et cetera, to, to do that. But I think getting back to your, your question about the example, I, I really like what we did uh, with Lowe's. So, as, you know, everybody knows Lowe's mm-hmm. home improvement, um, you know, always trying to to break through. They had a new CMO come through uh, earlier last year, uh, last year, <clears throat> excuse mm-hmm. me. I mean, Marissa Thalberg came from Taco Bell, you know, very kind of progressive brand. So what they did is that they recognized um, a way to, to kind of turn heads and to get people thinking about Lowe's in a different way. Mm-hmm. So you're always going to think about Lowe's like, you know, as a, as, as a home improvement, I got to get lumber. I got to get a screwdriver. I got to get, yep. I'm a pro, I'm a contractor. Like I have to, I have to get those things to build. Mm-hmm. Right. And they've done a great job, you know, with their core, their core messaging about building homes and home is the place where people are a bit have been, especially in the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Well, um, they did a partnership and, you know, they executed really, really effectively on Twitter around New York fashion week. Okay. And, you know, when I say that to people and people are like Lowe's home improvement, yeah, total fashion, like got they're oxymoronic, I would say fashion a, a little bit. Right. <laughs> but they had a business reason to do that. It wasn't just to turn heads to turn heads mm-hmm. sake, right. They had a you know business reason. So one of their categories um, that they've focused on, uh, they decided they needed to focus on um, late earlier last year is, is the home decor and style category. Mm hmm. They used to be a leader in it. They've dropped off for, for so many reasons. So, you know, Marissa and her team in, in, in conjunction, their social team found a way, like, how can we, how can we get people thinking about this? So at the end of the day, it helps people think about Lowe's for style and decor. So what they did is they did a partnership with New York fashion week and part of it was driven through, uh, through IMG, um, mm-hmm. and you know, whom we have a publishing partnership with. So what they did is they sponsored three designers. So it was, um, Christian, I'm not a big fashion guy, but Christian Siriano, Jason Wu, and Rebecca Minkoff. So mm-hmm. my wife would know a lot more about those mm-hmm. those three folks than I do. But 
um, they partnered with them to essentially sponsor a, um, a fashion show, a virtual fashion show, um, and air it live on Twitter. Hmm. And so what that did is, you know, obviously these, these people already have this, this following, um, this, this cachet mm-hmm. of, of style based followers. And, um, and so, you know, they ran these three shows, uh, live on Twitter and, um, it really like got people like turning their heads and there were, there was a, a cause based, um, piece of it too, where, you know, is supporting, you know, supporting designers and, mm-hmm. and the, the, um, you know, the, the big names supporting like up and coming designers too. And, you know, they promoted it across the platform and they promoted the, the shows on Twitter. And we got a, a ton of, uh, of obviously live eyeballs mm-hmm. on the, uh, the shows as well, but it would, it enabled Lowe's to, again, like turn some heads and get people thinking about the brand in a, in a way that they, they hadn't before. And also by the way, like help push a category that, you know, from a business perspective, uh, was a focus. So it, it, won all kinds of awards. I think it out of all of the New York fashion week brands that were, that were featured, it got the most social mentions. Mm-hmm. Um, it's up for, and I apologize. I think it, it may have won or was up for an award for best, uh, best. So use of social, mm-hmm. social media. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was great. And it was something to kind of hang our hats on to say like, listen, you know, obviously it's, it's these types of things where you're going to turn heads don't happen every day, but if you want to, you know, build something around a, a, a big event like New York Fashion Week, and again, we talk about the Oscars, the Super right. Bowls, you know, the kind of the bigger events, like Twitter's the place to do it because they want to, you know, people want to see what's happening. Again, I'm using that that term that might be tattooed somewhere else, you know, maybe on my shoulder. But, um, <laughs> do but they, they can I jump plat- in there? How did how did how did you slash Lowe's look at success of that? Was it like what's the and and we can extrapolate that, you know, to to brands in general because I know everyone has different key performance indicators or return yeah. investment metrics. Like how does a Lowe's look at the, were they, were they going for like social media mentions and that was the metric? Was it convert? Like how, how did, um, how did they view it to be successful? Yeah. So I think it was more of a, a brand like exposure, like more okay. top of the funnel. You talk about mm-hmm. the sales funnel, right? Like mm-hmm. top of the funnel, um, you know, versus the bottom of the funnel where they say like, okay, buy this lamp. Right. Right. Like, you know, and then, and then measure on that. So it was more, more top of the funnel exposure scale mm-hmm. and, and something that you can, you know, not, you can measure it in some way, shape or form, but I mm-hmm. think getting exposure for earned media, if mm-hmm. you will, I think that's the, that's the yep. term we talk yep. about like Mar- Marissa, yes. their CMO talking about the event in the media, mm-hmm. you know, and the trades like ad age and, and so on and so forth. So um, in that aspect, super successful, um, made a huge splash mm-hmm. and I think set them up really well to, you know, build upon that as, you know, basically set themselves up as a, as a player in the, in the decor and, and style category. And again, that's like, that's one piece of the, of their overall business, right? Again, mm-hmm. they make their, they make a lot of their money, most of their money off of, they call pros, you know, guys who guys yep. and gals who rely on being handy as, as a form of, you know, their main form of income. But this is a great way to get, you know, a specific piece of their business they focused on, um, in the limelight. So well, excited to see what we could do with them in the future. That's awesome. I think it's a, it's a really good example. I, I, I want to rabbit hole a little bit and please, we talked about this, the ability since everyone listening knows Twitter, we can go to maybe next level here. So using Twitter to make money on content obviously has several avenues. And for the sake of this thought stream, I'm going to focus on video, right? There's obviously there's sponsored tweets and, and publishers creating branded content and paying for distribution through Twitter and keeping the margin on that sponsorship. They're direct to platform video content and using 
your pre-roll ad tools like Amplify, right? And there are a number of hybrid ways as well in between. So what's your advice in general on the level of audience engagement for when to choose Twitter tools as, oppo for, as opposed to rev sharing or, or Twitter tools for rev sharing as opposed to kind of going the direct sponsorship route and paying for your distribution? How do you look at the monetization of Twitter for a brand? Yeah, it, it's a good, good question, Jane. And uh, it was funny. I was talking to a guy by the name of Joe Vivara earlier this week, and, and Joe uh, helps lead our global content partnerships team. Mm -hmm. And we were just chatting about how you mentioned Amplify, mm -hmm. right? So I think some people in the marketplace who don't like deal directly in this type of thing, um, pre-roll, like Amplify's only pre-roll is kind of a misconception. Mm -hmm. um, so like our Amplify partner partnerships are ultimately you know, ultimately, their content partners tweet promoted by another advertiser, the audience the advertiser is trying to reach. Like mm -hmm. the brand, ex the brand experience could be pre-roll, but it could also be co-branded content. Like how we're talking about, you know, like things like Twitter Moments, a mm -hmm. poll, a carousel video, or any other monetizable ad formats. Like I think a good example of that is, I think a Bud Light mm -hmm. um, and AB. They did a, a sponsorship called Selly of the Week, hmm. and part of part of that not only is is amplified pre-roll, but um, they had a poll on who had the best celebration now that the the nfl is has loosened their collar a little bit on, mm -hmm. on celebrating which i i love and respect um the college college mm -hmm. game needs a follow suit but i won't <laughs> get into that rabbit hole but i think i think just understanding that it's not just pre-roll um yeah. but i do think amplify is great for engagement because it's basically extending the reach of the tweets and aiding in discovery to non-followers which, which is something like obviously merely tweeting can't provide um and so I think that's that's the biggest thing is just like understanding that piece of of the pie that you know the amplify you know amplify is not just it's not just pre-roll it's a lot more than that and i think once brands really get into the the nitty-gritty of it and understand it that's where you can start to navigate you know what lane you wanted to swim in because there's a couple different ones like you mentioned i'm curious kind of building off of the video concept about live right you mentioned it with lowe's and uh, one of the companies that, that we own at Teamworks, LaVita Baseball, um, mm -hmm. we are experimenting like crazy on Twitter, right? So we broadcast several live 30-minute plus, sometimes hour-long, sometimes 10-minute uh, shows on Twitter several times a week. And so I'm curious how live content is evolving on your platform through the sponsorship lens or branded content lens. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, great, it's a great point. And Jay, and I think you guys are doing some great things with LaVita. Um, but – I mean, you know, live, live, we're both kind of have, we have a sports background, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, live's always a compelling format and especially that, that holds true on Twitter too, where you find engagement. Um, so most of our top partners are utilizing our formats, their content plans. So whether that's um, moments, audio highlights, et cetera, like I think big events are a huge centerpiece of, of our live offering mm -hmm. as well. Not that, you know, not that we're airing live NFL games, but um, big events, like I give the example, like an Apple, right? They always have their, their big events mm -hmm. releasing so-and-so products, Samsung, I think of the un unpacked events. Mm -hmm. So those have a little bit more cachet because they're Apple and Samsung, right? So mm -hmm. like people are, are inherently interested because they're cutting edge, et cetera. But I think live is, is super important, but I think the, where you, where you kind of like, where the success factor comes in is like, how do you connect with your audience right like how do you stay culturally relevant so like you know you know Levita like the back of your hand you're you know you're the godfather 
of it. It's like, how do you connect with those, mm-hmm. those fans in, in that, in that demographic, how you connect with baseball fans, like mm-hmm. what's going to get them to, to tune in, especially on, on Twitter where like, again, that hamster wheel is going a thousand miles per hour and like, bang, they stop on, on La Vida. That's, that's, that's the biggest thing, you know, is, is, is are those tools the best practices, which I think we could, uh, there's a, there's a litany of them, but we could, uh, we could get into them. Yeah. Well, and we'll later. do that. I mean, I think it's always interesting because Twitter is one platform, obviously in the ecosystem. And I've had this conversation with our friends at Facebook and those conversations have been a little bit more, um, I'll be polite. Um, debate debate oriented right because there's this mm-hmm. whole notion of you're using the best practices and i'm just a cynic right i'm a middle-aged dude i'm a gen xer it's like it's i'm, I'm cynical and and you know i had the conversation with facebook it's like okay it's impossible we're doing all of this content that we're not organically growing um and i have found uh, like it, it feels like the spigot is just so pay to play on facebook right good luck trying to grow organically there where i feel twitter it at this point in time is still very um, much rewarding the organic, right? It's like it it feels more. Um, you just look at the content and it's it's well, you don't know which stuff's going to engage well. When it does, you're like, okay, good. Like at least there's we're seeing some directionality that this stuff is um, is performing well. Like this tweet performed better than this other tweet. Let's do more mm-hmm. of this type of tweet. And so. Um, I, I'm really curious um, from your perspective in terms of recent tools or tips that that you're talking to brands about that you want our community to know about what's going on on Twitter. It, it's so funny because you, you told me to, to you made like you said don't say be authentic, <laughs> um, and, and I and I don't want to sound like a cheese ball, but mm. you really have to be your own self, like really live by your own brand mantra and and I say that too because you know good bad or indifferent like if you, people will call that out on Twitter right I think that's mm-hmm. that's one of the one of our selling points is that people are themselves like one of our brand strategists his name's Aton he's he's a guy that's way more creative than I am and mm-hmm. just an amazing um, you know has a has a creative agency background and he refers to Twitter as humans humaning <laughs> right. And I always, they always get stuck in, stuck in my mind yeah. and, and it's really good for like mm-hmm. creative based um, presentations, but mm-hmm. you know, people just be yourself right on, on the platform and stick to your, your brand mantra, be yourself. Don't try to force things. Um, and again, that's very general, but it's also like, if you come back to that, I think that people will be confident with the content they, they put it on the platform. Um, I would say, I always like to say, don't use 280, 280 characters when you could use 180. Mm-hmm. And, and again, like it sounds a little cheesy, but, um, you know, a lot of the, you know, from a tweet copy standpoint, um, you know, less is more. And I would say like, if you get on a kind of like a diatribe and, and this, this counts for a video as well, but like the more you kind of like let a stream of thought piece go on the, on the platform, you know, a lot more times than, than not, like it, it'll, it'll be tough for people to, to keep engaged with unless, and we'll talk, talk about this video, unless you're Nike or unless you're a movie trailer where that people are going to stop for that regardless. Right. Because Nike does it always has this really, these really great creative yep. about Serena Williams and like a mother. And then, you know, again, I go back to the movie trailer. It's like, if I see Tom Cruise and Top Gun two, 
I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to like, I'm going to stop. Mm-hmm. Right. Even though that trailer is three minutes long or two mm-hmm. minutes long, what have you. So I would just say like, be concise uh, as much as you can, obviously knowing that the, it's the hamster wheel and you want to, you want to make sure that you, you, you lock into it. And I think, I think the third thing, um, you know, if you ask me what I, what, you know, what I want the community to know about Twitter is I'd say try Twitter spaces. Um, if anybody doesn't know spaces is it's the way to have live audio conversations on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, it's opened up for brands to host uh, fairly recently. And so I am curious as a, you know, marketer and as a salesperson, just to understand, you know, how those go, mm-hmm. you know, how people are enjoying them, participating, et cetera. So again, like Jay for, you know, La Vida or, mm-hmm. or Teamworks and what have you, like use them, try to, I would say, try to break them. Mm-hmm. Um, s- s- send me that feedback, tweet at me, Douglas Fresh 49 um, or DM me. But I'm, I just, I'm really interested in, in how the space is, uh, the audio piece on our platform is, is going to evolve. And I just, I, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about it. So, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, probably one of the top three hot topics this year, right? Audio, audio right. and gambling are probably one and two um, right now, I think. Uh, so let me ask you this. What are the most common questions you get from clients? I, I can't imagine you're walking in the room, or well, you don't walk in a room, a virtual room or on a call with somebody who doesn't know who Twitter is, right? But there are probably more instances of calling on brands where they may have not have, you know, used it as a as a platform yet. So walk us through that, like a newbie prospect client for you. What what are the typical types of questions that you get and how do you answer them? Yeah, that's a good question, Jay. And I, I think one of the biggest ones, especially with video, is such an important part of you know, what we do on a daily basis is, I have a 30 second TV commercial. How do I make that work on Twitter? Mm. Right. Hmm. And so let me, let me preface it. Is that, you know, we, we understand like 30 second TV commercials, as much as we hundreds of, you know, we see them, you see mm-hmm. hundreds of them, you know, every day, every week they're, you know, they're, they're expensive, Yep. right. They're expensive to make, mm-hmm. you know, they're expensive to, to alter mm-hmm. if you will. And I'll get into to the altering piece in a bit, but I think that's, that's the biggest thing is that, you know, a 30 second commercial, uh, on, on, in a feed based environment, like Twitter is not going to capture the attention, uh, as we want it to. Mm-hmm. Right. So again, I go back to the, like the long compelling brand story, like unless you're Nike, like, or a, a TV trailer, like you want that, you want your pre-roll, you want your video to be maximum 15 seconds. Um, but six seconds is kind of the sweet spot. Yep. And so, and so like the, the, the next stop, next Genesis in that conversation is like, Holy shit. Like I have a 30 second commercial. <laughs> How am I going to get anything in six seconds? Right. Mm-hmm. And it's total, total, you know, viable mm-hmm. concern. Um, so we have an in-house agency called art house and these people are, are phenomenal. They they're basically, you know, anything creative that you I did do, not they, know that I had yeah. no idea. Our art house is great. It's, it's it, again, the genesis of it, the part of it used to be called niche and that's more of our influencer creator network, but, uh, we've, we've mm-hmm. melded it, uh, under a lady named Stacy Monero. She's fantastic, but it's basically provide a wide array of creative services. And one of those is optimizing, um, 30 second TV commercials to the feed. Mm-hmm. Um, and not only just like cutting it down to six seconds, but also, you know, obviously the most important part is making sure that the brand message is there, but also following best practices, like, Make sure your branding's at the the first thing you see at second zero. Making mm-hmm. sure you add text because it's you know obviously it's a sound off strategy when you're mm-hmm. when you're thumbing through the feed. Making sure you have humans if you can in the commercial. You know if mm-hmm. you have a celebrity, even better, right? Mm-hmm. So those things that 
we've learned over like, you know, years and years and billions and billions of tweets um, that make the most impact on the feed. So um, Art House does this. We optimize, you know, optimize their um, people's creative, their TV commercials to make it fit on the platform. So, you know, at the end of the day, and we deliver on, on our client, our clients KPIs and, you know, it's, it's great. There's a, there's a guy, his name's Ted and we call him the Teditor and he, he, he heads up the, the optimization piece and he's, he does phenomenal work. And again, at the end of the day, it's just making sure that, you know, the, the creative matches the platform for, for our brands. So I, I'd say that that's the biggest one is mm-hmm. I have a 30 second or longer TV commercial. How do mm-hmm. I make it work on Twitter? Mm-hmm. Um, and then the second piece is like, people also want to get ahead of, they want to be more predictive, right? Like we talk about data and yeah. there's a million ways to, you know, data is always in the news. It's always in the trades, like data, this data, that, unfortunately, a lot of it's, you know, a lot of it's for, you know, in negative limelight, but yeah. one of the cool things that we have is like, you know, we have years and years and billions and billions of tweets that basically allows us to understand how, when, and where conversations are happening. And in turn, will allows us to go back to the brand and say, listen, like based on the conversation that has happened in the past, we want to help you become more predictive. We want to set you up for success. Um, we have this whole team, a bunch of people that are a lot more smarter than me um, called Audience Insights. And and they basically work, we work in tandem with them to, to provide that data to say like, listen, Best Buy, right? Like mm-hmm. holiday, holidays are biggest time of the year. You're making your most money out of, you know, out of any, any other time of the year. So based on past years, they'll say, okay, this is when the holiday conversation picks up because everybody's asking like, okay, like Thanksgiving, you know, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, you know, obviously those are high volume times for us and where where brands want to be, but how can we get ahead of that? You know, when, how early should we start the holiday conversation? When are people starting to talk about it so we can maybe avoid some of that clutter? Um, We could do a whole podcast on audience insights. Like, like, I have like 15 questions that are popping up. Like, I, I'm, I hate to interrupt you there, but because yeah, this is, please. you know, data-driven content decision-making. If I had to take one subject matter that is the throughput through Brand Story Inc., the most popular topic, it's that. And so this is fascinating to me. Question for you. Does that audience insight, access to your audience insights team at Twitter, does that come with like a certain threshold of buy? Is it a fee for service? How does that work? Yeah, it's, it's, it's usually reserved for, for our, our, our big partners. So like, again, we deal with, you know, a lot of mm-hmm. the, the big, big retailers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's, there's very simple ways for brands to get in and, and advertise on the platform and our SMB team, small business team. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of, a lot of the, the, you know, man, woman power of mm-hmm. that is normally reserved for our big, big partners, but it's, they're cranking out things all the time. For the masses. I mean, this is, this is the conversation that's happening on the other side of the walls that you're calling, right? I mean, we have it internally. I'll give you a perfect example. It's like, and there's so many variables, like we're on the outside looking in, right? And so I'll give you a perfect example. Um, The highest performing tweet, I just saw this in the report comes out every, we get an internal report on, uh, I'll use La Vida Baseball. It's a Latino uh, lifestyle baseball media company that we run. And the top performing tweet um, last week, I believe was this one of um, like a, a locker room, the Diamondbacks like doing like a locker room dugout dance on that was actually on TikTok and like we reposted and like attributed and all that kind of stuff. And then, like, so guess what we did? We did it again this week. It's and there it is. And it's like okay, but the challenge, right? What you can look at the data, but really trying to get into the essence of 
Is it the dancing? Is it the color? Is it the length? Is it the team? Is it the, right? There's so many variables to unpack. Yeah. I'm trying to, it's like this never ending holy grail. And that's one tweet. And then you're moving on to the next one, right? And so yeah. there's these constant conversations, at least we have on our team of like, okay, um, you know, we want to service the community and not just try to game the system. And okay, you know, regram, uh, you know, TikTok reels of, of players dancing in locker rooms. But I feel that level of conversation right now. We just hired a guy from uh, Alfonso Garcia from the, the San Francisco Giants, and he's very mm-hmm. data driven. But it it's kind of infuriating from the outside because there's just too many variables. You're starting to get into the and, and you don't really know. You're you're making intuitive decisions, um, but you guys have, to your point, this back office of billions of pieces of data to kind of formulate um, strategies, and and that's where it's like I didn't even know you had that audience in such team. That's fascinating to me. Yeah, they're phenomenal, and I think you know more to the times right now is you know we're we're planning for things that you know that are big in the retail world like a, a back to school right mm-hmm. a even a holiday like you know for a lot of our partners holiday is a 365 day a year you know mm-hmm. initiative because again most a lot of revenues made during that time mm-hmm. period but i think what's interesting um especially now this year when i hate to say it like we're taking a turn towards the normal again mm-hmm. just the world the mm-hmm. pandemic vaccines etc is you know, I think brands are really leaned into how is that going to affect uh, business, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's tough because you know a lot of times you look at things year over year, and so <laughs> this time last year, as you know, versus now, it's it's a different world, literally. Yeah. Yep. Um. So you know, I think the challenge for us and our insights team, they've done a great job of it, is like how do we be predictive, knowing that, you know, not that we're going to throw last year out, out of you know in the garbage, but like how do we? What's the context behind it? Like. Is it, is it valid to look at two years ago to look at a return to normal? And again, there's all these variables and, and context is, is obviously huge. And um, it, it really gives our, you know, our partners a, a, a sense of, okay, when, where, and why are people talking about X, Y, and Z, you know, insert important conversations to the business. And then, you know, obviously pairing the message of, of a retailer against that. Well, um, I'm going to skip, I was going to ask you about brand safety, but that feels like an unsexy question right now. And I have so many better ones to go on to. So I'm going to, I, I want to be respectful of time here. I, I subscribe to the theory that media publishers or brands have a much harder time building an engaged following than individuals, just because to your, what was it? The Ted, the Ted, major, what's his name? The Ted, yeah, the Ted, the Ted, the Ted, right? It, 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 he actually has a last name. It's Ted Harrison. Ted Harrison. It's like be human, right? It's just, yeah. It, it's it's a higher bar for a low like here's a brand with a logo and yes you can have great tone of voice it's just much harder to connect with a brand there's just right you're starting you're starting with a more challenging operating thesis but um i'm you know i think i'd love to get your comment on this because i'll keep going down this road a team works in levita i mean we look at our staff right who have individual twitter handles um and have their own personality and give them the freedom like they're obviously instrumental because yes, they may have their personal, but there's also this, they're tweeting about um, LaVita baseball and the content that they're doing, right? Like their own influencers on a brand. And we have the master LaVita baseball brand Twitter handle. Um, and, and the interconnectivity of these things is more complicated, right? Um, but I always, we, we talk about this, just the challenge of trying to think about the brand being the whole of the sum of its parts and not just the Twitter handle that has the, the corporate logo on it. I'm curious 
from your perspective, right, since you're dealing with retailers, you used that great example of Lowe's where they actually used influencers, but from a true and true brand, a Walmart, a Best Buy, whomever, a, a retail client, you know, what are some of the inherent challenges and, and what advice do you guys give those to actually become more engaging from a, from a brand perspective? Yeah, it's so interesting, Jay, with with uh, this creator culture that we have, mm-hmm. right? We're, we're, we're creators, and to your point, like those individuals are brands themselves. Yep. And so, yeah, I like I love the way you're thinking about this. It's like considering how an individual balances branding themselves versus following like the the brand mantra of the company or publisher that they're representing. Like you, you know, you're in your example, Levita Baseball, and and they're two like very different things, but I think there's ways that you can make those things, those things cohabitate, if you will. So I think to answer your question, um, you know, it, it really, it could be really successful. Right. But I think there's, there's some like steps that we've figured out along the way is, you know, a lot of the leaders of our brand. So you're thinking like CEOs, CMOs, and, you know, to a lesser extent, like CFOs, mm-hmm. like the, that C level, uh, C level suite. Mm-hmm. Um, and those, you know, those people are responsible for billions of dollars and thousands thousands of, of employees and people working for the brand well, like i think understanding the power of twitter and especially in like pre-pandemic times we have a team that um basically runs this boot camp uh basically twitter's uh, executives twitter for executives right so how when and why to use the platform best practices you know what if blank happens how to be locked up with your comm teams things like that so you know, I think it's a good way for that. We've educated these, I even call like CMOs and CEOs like influencers and maybe like an Elon Musk, the most extreme example, mm-hmm. how he's obviously a, mm-hmm. an individual himself, but also the leader of, you know, of Tesla, et cetera. And, and has to be responsible for that piece. But basically I have a list of, of like, I think it's like 14 best practices. And I'm going to go straight back to the cheese ball piece. Um, and the number one thing I'm, I'm going to read this verbatim just because I think it's, important for 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 you know whether you're elon musk and again maybe not a best example because he's he's a different different bird but um you know whether you're somebody on a podcast for levita or you're a ceo or cmo you know for a a big fortune 500 company the first thing in our our best practices handbooks says be authentic and again i'm gonna read this verbatim because i just think it's important it says let Mm -hmm. your personality and perspective shine twitter is a great way to humanize you're gonna go humans humaning Humanize yourself to your colleagues, customers, and the world. You don't have to be perfect. There's value in being real, and it's okay to be less polished and produced. So, hmm. again, it's it's you want to follow the brand mantra and, and represent the brand the right way, but you also don't want to be a robot. You know, totally. like Twitter's Twitter's not a place to be a robot. So, um, I if, if I had to say one thing, especially to you, Jay, like from a, a Levita standpoint, you know, I think you have a if you treat them and they re- represent themselves like a bunch of CMOs or CEOs of, of themselves. And then the brand too, I think, you know, I think there's a lot to be a good way to approach it, if you will. Awesome. So, well, you know, um, I, I think one of my favorite examples and I invite you to check it out. It's funny. I can get uh, executives like you from Twitter on the podcast and Facebook and all these, you know, big name brand companies coming on the podcast. You know who I've not been able to get? Who's I think the best Twitter example I've seen during the pandemic is the national cowboy museum. And it's amazing. You should check it out. They they when the pandemic first hit back in uh, 
And so like in April, so it was a brand, it was a, it was a brand um, handle, like the National Cowboy Museum. It's like National Cowboy and Heritage Museum. And, and what they did is they took the security guard and it was kind of like giving the Twitter feed to your mom. And I couldn't tell, it was either, it, it was clearly um, strategically done, but it was so silly and fun. And they went from like 3,000 Twitter followers to like 500,000. Because it was like no one could go in the museum. And so it was just hilarious. It was like the security guard trying to do a selfie and like just so punny. And it was it was one of the best examples. They didn't do any paid, right? It was totally organic. But to your point, it was they humanized their brand in probably one of the more extreme ways that I've seen. And so um, I'm still on the hunt to get them. They've not responded. I've been I've been tracking them down. So I'm going to send this to them. So I'm like, okay, we got Twitter on. We need to get you guys on. But Jay, uh, Jay just to give you a heads up, they have 279,700 followers, and they just got another one in me. Nice. So this is go. amazing. Yeah, it's, this it's, is awesome. You got to go check their it. feed out. It, it's one of my favorite um, go-to Twitter case studies. So, all right. So going to let you go. We're on overtime here. Uh, two final personal questions. Morning musts. What the heck do you uh, consume on your Twitter feed to stay on top of your job? Top Twitter followers. Give us – how do you stay on top of this? Uh, so I think you divide that up into work and play, right? Yep. So work, big like trades guy, ad age. Um, there's a trade called retail dive. It's even more retail specific. Mm-hmm. Client handles, um, CNN business. Uh, I think that's – that's those are the big work ones. And then mm-hmm. from the play standpoint, I mean, you know, I'm, I bleed purple. Mm-hmm. Uh, so all my Northwestern handles inside NU, NU Sports, uh, Pat Fitzgerald. Um, and one of my favorite ones, and this one uh, is an NSFW, not safe for work, but just amazing, is uh, you may have heard of Super 70s Sports. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've seen that. <laughs> one of the – and I'm, I'm, I'm not a child – I you know, I was born in the early 80s. I'm a yeah. child of the 80s and early 90s. But, like, a lot of the things that are communicated and – and that handle are amazing. And I, and I think of one example, I think there's a tweet a while back talking about how the, the amazingness of, of jarts or lawn darts. <laughs> and if anybody on this podcast, you know, maybe too young to remember, um, they've been outlawed for good reason, but they're basically, you think of just a dart that you throw against a dartboard, but five times as big, basically, it's basically a small spear <laughs> with a weight on the end of it. And you, Oh, that's terrible. We used to throw those things like up in the air and like, I mean, those things would pierce the side of your skin, which is. I mean, I don't know how many people have gone through major injuries or deaths, but we did it. It was a staple (laughs) at every family party. And, you know, the the Super 70 sports handle is like all about that stuff about remembering when things were a little, a little more dangerous, a little less cancelable, if you will. Yep. Um, But just one of my favorites. So again, if you, uh, it may, it's not maybe not the most PC, but if you get a chance to check it out, if you're if, especially if you're a child of the '70s or '80s. Yep. All right. Final um, final question: What are you reading for fun? So it, there's a my my good friend uh, Michelle Zilstra. She went to school with her, one of my best friends in the world. She uh, heads up uh, HR for the Clippers, the LA Clippers. Mm-hmm. And so a year back, she um, she sent me this TED talk uh, from a lady named Brene Brown. Oh yeah. She's a PhD. Yep. You know, if anybody to her has podcast. She's like, Oh my God. I, yeah. Amazing. Like I, I listened to the, the biggest one. I think that kind of put her name on the, the lights was the power of vulnerability. So mm-hmm. if you get a chance to check that out, but she had a book, she has a book called rising strong, mm-hmm. how the ability to reset transforms the way we live, love parent and lead. Obviously I have it right in front of me, but I I've, I've cracked it three times. And, and I say that because 
post pandemic, my, my time to read, and I think you may have been mm-hmm. the same way. My time to read was the train, right? Mm-hmm. It was 30, 40 minutes of just quietness. And that was my time to read books. And I've cracked this open three times and obviously don't have the train anymore as we work from home, <laughs> but I am super stoked to get back into rising strong. And if, if Michelle is listening to this, um, I will read it. I promise, but uh, I'm excited to, to get into it. So take us one. Well, Doug Schimmel, lead client partner for Twitter. Thank you so much for joining us. You can follow him on Twitter at DouglasFresh49. Um, talk about intimidation, working at Twitter and having a Twitter handle. That's a whole separate conversation. But, Doug, this was awesome. Thank you for uh, opening up the door, if you will, to kind of behind the curtain at Twitter and, and, and your view on, on branded content. Jay, really appreciate you having me. This was, this was a blast, and uh, let's do it again sometime. Awesome. Thanks for listening to Brand Story, Inc. We'll be back next week with another conversation digging into the ways companies are becoming like media companies. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and give me a follow on Twitter at underscore Jay Sharman and on LinkedIn.